0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung.
1: How did this begin for you? Well, rock bottom. So I really want people to hear that because rock bottom is the gift, right? Like rock bottom is what teaches us. It's not the top of the mountain that that teaches us the lessons. It's not the top of the mountain that actually feels so good. It's when you are at rock bottom, when you are in the depths of hell and you start to claw your way out, when you start to feel hope again, there's no greater feeling than that.
0: Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. And, you know, I talk so much about negotiating your best life. And I always say, actually, in the intro of this show, that sometimes the very first negotiation that you do is when you wake up in the morning with your own mind for your own self-worth. And boy has this next guest negotiated her best life from the very depths of the despair of everything. So I'm so excited to have my dear friend Moira Kasaba here with me today. She was, yeah, she she's battled alcoholism, bulimia, uh, everything that you could possibly like throw uh, on a piece of paper. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, how about yes, this? How about that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's a self-made millionaire and she helps people achieve radical success in their lives. She was coach of the year for Beachbody. I mean, like- How did she go from there to here? She's going to talk about that today. And she's just absolutely one of the most incredible people on the planet. So Mm -hmm. I I, to talk about how how to create confidence, how to overcome obstacles. So thank you. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. I just adore and admire you so much and the work that you're doing and the woman that you are. I really do. I felt like an instant connection when we met and the more conversations we had, I just I just adore you. And you know, you're reaching such a vast audience with you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like we figured something out along the way, right? And we couldn't keep it to ourselves and we just had to share that with others. And, you know, that's what my mission and my purpose is in life. It's like, I always say, if I could do what I've done, like if I, if I have been able to achieve and become the person that I've become from the depths of hell, from the depths of despair, from being suicidal, from being at literally, it it doesn't get lower than my rock bottom. If I can do it, so can you you know, so can others. And so I just have this drive and this passion to like give people the knowledge, but also the tools and the processes and the things that they need to implement into their life so that they can break through to that other side so that they can live just a a better, happier, more joyful, more successful life, because that's what we're here for.
0: Do you know, know, I literally just got the chills when you were talking. I literally just got the chills.
1: Mm. Mm. Little God wink, right? A little
0: God wink.
1: Yeah. Little God wink. We're,
0: we're, yeah. you know, that means there's such a connection. You know, we mm-hmm. we have we're connected on on a cellular level. Every, you know, mm-hmm. everything is connected on the planet. Yep. On a cellular level. And so when you were just talking, I I literally just got the
1: chills. Oh, I love that. But yeah, so let's talk about that for a second because I think about this all the time. Like I feel like there are opportunities and miracles and the life that we're like so desperately searching for, right? From From our couch in depression, it's literally right there, but it requires us to step out right? It requires us to walk through fear. And I think about, I just got goosebumps too. Like, this is crazy. I think about our connection and our relationship. It required you to walk through so much fear and, and doubt and skepticism and judgment and me just the same. So it's like, here you are in the world here. I am in the world, both, you know, be trying to be brave, trying to find our confidence, trying to find our purpose, And when you really step down that path consistently, that's when you start to intersect with other people where you get to have this relationship and these goosebump moments with other people where you're like, wow, this is what life's all about, you know? Yeah, that is so true.
0: And you know what? I want to get to that because I feel like that's sort of like the end of the, you know, sort of where we are now, but I want to step back too. So I yeah. just get goosebumps again. This is so crazy. That never <laughs> happens to me in a podcast ever. The best. The best. I just want to say that never happens. I love it. I love that's it. That's so crazy. So I want to step back though yeah. to yeah. the beginning of your journey, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's great to have, oh, let's, you know you know, people are going, oh, that's just great. You know, they're there, but yeah. I'm over
1: here, you know? Right. So
0: how did this begin for you?
1: Well, rock bottom. So I really want people to hear that because rock bottom is the gift, right? Like rock bottom is what teaches us. It's not the top of the mountain that that teaches us the lessons. It's not yeah. the top of the mountain that actually feels so good. It's when you are at rock bottom, when you are in the depths of hell and you start to claw your way out, when you start to feel hope again, There's no greater feeling than that. And it's such a misconception that I've got to get all the way from down here to way up there at the top of the mountain. No, you don't. You know, it's like we just need to take one baby step. And that baby step out of hell feels just as good as that last step to the top of the mountain.
0: Talk about your rock bottom.
1: Yeah. So it was, you know, it's so interesting. My, my like journey into rock bottom because I came from a very, I mean, I don't think there's anything as normal. There's no normal family anymore, but mine was kind of normal. Like it, it wasn't, there wasn't any alcoholic parent or abuse happening. There wasn't anything extreme to make sense of my extreme addiction you know at such a young age the thing that i can say is i'm the youngest of six irish catholic <laughs> so there you go irish catholic you know there a lot of times people say irish catholic alcoholic those usually go together <laughs> there was there was alcoholism in my family like an uncle here a, you know people there but it wasn't something i grew up really knowing a lot about So yes, I believe there is a genetic predisposition to addiction and I've got that. Um, But I also believe that that was coupled with just being born with a personality of like super type A Enneagram three, you know, driven in every single thing I needed to wanted to do. And it's interesting because you know, I'm a mom now and I, we're always feeling like, am I doing the right thing? we you know, we're gonna mess it up. We're all gonna mess it up, right? No, but nobody does it perfectly. My parents did a really great job of not putting pressure on me, but I put pressure on myself because in our society, you know, I was an extremely good student. I was the best in sports. I was on the all-star teams. I was, you know, tested at Johns Hopkins in seventh grade for academics. And so I had this, I was just really good at everything. And and that sounds really egotistical to say, but it's just the facts, but society rewards success, right? They, they, the accolades that you get, the attention that you get as a child, you can't help but be driven to get more of that. Oh yeah.
0: I had the opposite, by the way, I'm half Chinese (laughs) and half German, which by definition means I have no fun genes whatsoever.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. My mom's actually German. Her side of the family is German. Maybe that's where I get the no fun because I'm such a workaholic. I love it. I love it. But I, you know, I was just driven. I was driven to succeed in everything. So I was like that workaholic, you know, personality when I was eight, you know? And so when I discovered alcohol at 14, I always say it was like this giant pressure valve button. Like somebody hit the button for the first time in my life and I could breathe. I could just chill for a quick second. And I was like, oh. That was amazing, you know and so I sought it again and again and again. and just like everything I did in my life, if I'm gonna excel in school, if I'm gonna excel in sports, if I'm gonna excel at doing piano, I'm gonna go I'm gonna excel at drinking, you know I I take everything in my life and I run with it and unfortunately I ran myself into the ground you know by the time I was, 19 or 20, and I had my first drink at 14. There were definitely drugs involved as well. Um, But by the time I was 19 or 20, I was using or drinking every moment I was awake. So it was, you know, waking up, not physically being able to function without alcohol in my system. So it was truly late stage alcoholism at 20 years old. I remember actually reading my mom's medical textbooks one time when I was home for like Easter and I pulled out, she's a nurse practitioner. And I pulled out and like looked up in the back, you know, alcoholism and reading the stages of alcoholism. And I was like, whoa, like I fit, I checked the boxes for late stage alcoholism. I mean, my, my hands would shake uncontrollably without a drink. Um, I started to have like almost these like wet brain, you know, where you lose your, you completely lose like sense of reality, scary, scary moments. Um, And I didn't know how to stop. Like I just, I, you know, if you understand any bit of addiction, like it is truly the most powerless, hopeless feeling that anyone can experience. And, you know, talk about confidence I remember one time in, into sobriety thinking like, what happened? Like I was a confident kid. I didn't grow up really feeling less than like, I grew up feeling, you know, not overly confident, but confident in who I was. My parents were like, you can, you can do whatever you want in the world. You're going to like, you know, figure it out. And I had this confidence. And I remember being like, where did it get so incredibly shattered and where it got so shattered? was addiction, you know, waking up every single day and just promising yourself, making the most devout promise you can make to yourself that you will not, you are not going to pick up again today. You are not going to drink. You're going to go a day without it and then giving in and doing that every single day, day after day, after day, after day, every single time you do that, it just chips away, you know? And and I, I remember hearing like in my early twenties, somebody saying somewhere, I remember I was in the car and I heard it on something I was listening to. And they were like, well, the way to build confidence is to make promises to yourself and, and honor them and keep them. And I was like, oh, so that's where my confidence was shattered. And it's really hard to build back confidence, but I do think it can be as simple as that. And I think, you know, we have to start small um, and make those little tiny promises and uh, and honor and keep our promises to ourselves and things that are doable to start to to rebuild that confidence. Um, and we'll get into that. but going back, you know, it was I just didn't see a way out. you know I had tried to go to 12-step programs. I had tried to do different things and I just kept kept falling back into addiction and I really at the end, didn't see another way out besides, you know, taking my own life because, and I I know a lot of people obviously struggle big time with the concept of suicide and and everybody says it's the most selfish thing you can do. And I get that, but I also get coming from someone that was suicidal at one point in my life, I thought it was the most selfless thing I could do because I thought I cannot continue to put the people that love me through this anymore. Like I, I I can't, I can't, let them bear this pain anymore, this disappointment. And the only option I have, because I literally couldn't stop was, you know, I'm just going to end my life. And, and there, there, but for the grace of God go, I, you know, there was another plan. And a friend of mine from a 12 step program showed up on my doorstep and, you know, he's like, you need help like what's going on. And, and I, I was, I remember the day so clearly. And I was like, almost catatonic, you know, I was just like, I felt like I I didn't even have a soul inside. I didn't have a mind anymore. And, you know, he said, you got to pray. And I was like, I can't like, there was just nothing. It was like an empty hole. And there was a moment where he said, I'm going to pray for you then. And he took my hand and he prayed for me and over me. And, you know, there wasn't a burning bush or a flash of white light, but I felt like there was a moment that I don't know if God just kind of slid in. But, you know, he brought me to a meeting and then the next day I went to another meeting and the next day I went to another meeting. And a lot of people ask me about, you know, how did you know, how do you get sober? I'm like, well, <laughs> I needed to get sober. If you looked at my life, there was, you know, it was like, end my life or get sober. So it was that bad. And I don't think every addict or alcoholic needs to ride the elevator down that far. But what I did to get sober was... I remember, you know, talking in 12 step meetings after I'd been sober for a little while and, and saying every waking hour unless I am a, either I'm asleep or I'm at my job or I am with people in recovery, I am at a meeting. I was so far gone that I couldn't even be alone for 30 minutes, really my first year of sobriety and it's why they have, you know, halfway houses and sober living homes. I needed to just immerse myself And, you know, I was blessed enough to be living in Southern California where there's, you know, a million meetings every hour of every day on every corner. And um, I was also 21 years old when I got sober and there was a huge young people's, you know, community there. So it was a really great experience because we were going to concerts sober. We were snowboarding sober. We were sailing. We were like, we're being we were living our lives, you know, and, and I thought the moment that I took that sober path, that it was the end of my life, of course, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to party anymore. Oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out on my whole life. And it was just the beginning, you know, it was the beginning of a spiritual journey. It was the beginning of my personal growth journey. And gosh, I look back and I'm so grateful. I'm so sober since. Yeah. Yeah, I've been sober for like twenty. Well, I'm forty six, so twenty some years. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's been an incredible...
0: that's amazing that you've stayed sober that long. Yeah, like what a yeah. that that's beautiful. Thank beautiful. you. Beautiful. Customers are rushing to your store. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day, but according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and then sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier. And Air Doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria, and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code, Your Best Life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to dot and use the promo code Your best.
1: Thank you. And I think once you, con- not I don't even want to say conquer that because I really feel like a lot of the gift of sobriety is grace, but there is certain things you do when you're trying to overcome something that is literally has you in its death grip, you know, even if it was cancer, which is a disease just like alcoholism. I know it's hard for people to differentiate, but when you have walked through something so big and come out the other side. You can look back, no matter what obstacles come in the future, you can kind of look back and go, okay, what did I do? I, I leaned into people that have gone through the struggle before. I, you know, did certain practices. I got more prayerful. I connected to my spirituality. There were actions that I took. And even in sobriety, it was like, well, really, I just went to the people that were like, I was like, I don't know how to do this. And there are people in you know recovery rooms that are like, well, I've walked through this. So let me teach you what I did. Just do what I've done and you will have what I have. And even in entrepreneurship, it's been the same thing. It's like, let me find the person that is either, you know, experience this obstacle or is where I want to be and let me learn from them and let me follow in their footsteps and let me be teachable, right? Let me be teachable. And if I can do that, first of all, they're proof that you can get to wherever you need to get to, whatever the obstacle is but we need to ask for help i mean it's so cliche to say but it's like that's the first step right we need to we need to reach out and ask for help so many people on social media reach out to me that are drowning in the misery of addiction but they're alone in it i they're
0: totally really alone even the whole concept of leap in the net appears yes i think that as soon as you decide that mm-hmm. you want to take action on anything yes that the right people start appearing in your life.
1: Absolutely. And they don't appear before you leap, right? right? They don't it. appear before you leap. And... Right. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. We were all terrible in the beginning. And you. the only way you get good at social media is by doing social media. The only way that you actually get better at speaking is by speaking more. The way that you get better at your people skills is not out of a book, it's by having conversations and interactions. Every all of success is found through action. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family
0: member, a friend, a business partner, a soon to be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic? But you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets. And so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come Be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this.
1: Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life.
0: Studies are now calling parental alienation syndrome what it is, and that is it's a form of child abuse. The evidence has shown that alienated children are actually much more likely to have panic attacks, have lower self-esteem. Uh, their grades either slip or they even drop out of school and they're more likely to turn to drugs. This is
1: not something to mess around with. And now we return to today's show. That goes probably into so much of what you and I deal with today. It's like, we kind of hear this whisper in our soul to walk away from a career or start a podcast or or write a a book
0: or a toxic relationship. Yeah. Whether it's professional or personal. Right. You know? Yes. And, and, and that's why, you know, I say it it is baby steps. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that you talk about, which I think is so powerful in, in creating confidence Mm -hmm. is that, you say that confidence is not found in a book. Yes. You know, that confidence is not found. You, you know, you talk about how you, uh, you know, became coach of the year with Beachbody, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, you, you rose so quickly in that. I mean, it was so uh, awe-inspiring how you did that. Thank you. I mean, so awe-inspiring how you did that, and you know, you started watching YouTube videos of people that you um, admired, and you started like just kind of taking on these personas. But you started taking massive action. And one of the things that I say all the time is that the difference between people who are uh, who are um, successful and the people who aren't are it's really just one thing and that's execution. Absolutely. And
1: in everything, just like you're saying, in the job, in the relationship, in the personal journey, no matter what we're talking about, success in you know, your fitness goals, whatever it is, it's execution versus thinking, yeah, right?
0: But what yeah. I, I love that you just said, what, you know, one of the things that you say is confidence is not found in a personal development book. It's like in the doing, because, you know, if, you know, let's just say you want to get fit or whatever, and you just decide, you know what, I'm going to start off by walking Mm -hmm. 200 steps a day. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like that's my goal you know, normally I never get off the couch, but starting tomorrow, I'm going to walk 200 steps a day, not 10,000, right. 200. Yes. And you complete that goal.
1: That will start making you feel more confident. A hundred percent. Just like I said earlier, it's that little promise. We want to always be so careful that our the negotiating with ourselves right the promises or the contracts that we're drawing up with ourselves are so small that they're almost impossible not to to not do them right and and i i totally yes echo what you were just saying knowledge is found in a podcast knowledge is found in a book knowledge is found in all of these consumables and so they're amazing but knowledge doesn't get you anywhere in life it gets it gets you nowhere and the only difference is execution you know i think that overthinking is one of the biggest things that holds everybody back oh you know that analysis paralysis thing yes it's like like we want to talk to 16 friends and you know ruminate over this and ruminate over that and should i do this and should i'm i like just do it just do it if it doesn't work do something else
0: definitely build the plane as you're flying it Absolutely. freaking yeah yes i mean you have to build the plane as you're flying it moment for me yeah. I, that was such an aha moment for me. Like you can, you know, uh, you know, like one of the things that you, you were talking about was how, like, you don't have to be good at social media before you start it. Like, yeah. just do it.
1: You, you know? just have to do it. And, and let's go back to like that specifically, just as an example, one among many things, the people that so many people want to aspire to be that are online or speaking on stages or have written the book, they all started, they were terrible, right? Like we were all terrible in the beginning and you, the only way you get good at social media Is by doing social media. The only way that you actually get better at speaking is by speaking more. The way that you get better at your people skills is not out of a book, it's by having conversations and interactions. Every, all of success is found through action. And, you know, the more and more you do, the better you're going to get. And, and getting comfortable with failure, you know, I, I I don't even like the word because I just don't even believe in it. I truly don't believe that it is the def, how people define it. It's like there really truly aren't any failures because every time something doesn't work out, it's just data where we go, okay, that didn't hit or that didn't work or next, you know, I've got to pivot. I've got to try this. I've got to try that. And I may try 25 things where, and then it finally kind of hits where most people are still on number one and talking about whether they should maybe do number one. And I'm like, I've tried 24 things since you're still thinking about doing number one. You just have to do it. Yes, you really do.
0: A 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, it's so funny because as you're talking, I remember when the, the this lawyer that I worked for, the very first law firm I ever worked yeah. for, I mean, I, I remember I had passed the bar. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I had taken the bar, but there's this like two month delay between when you take the bar and you get your results, mm-hmm. right? So I wasn't technically a lawyer yet, yeah. right, you know? So I had graduated law school, took the bar, but I didn't have results yet. And so I was working for this lawyer and he had had me draft this marital settlement agreement. And he's like, I'm gonna have you go in and have the guy sign it. And I'm like, okay, you know? And so the, the paralegal comes in and she notarizes it. And, and then she leaves, and then I'm in there with this guy, and I, and then um so the, the paralegal leaves, so the only person who had any knowledge whatsoever about the process or whatever, she just left the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in there and 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 the guy signs, you know, and he goes, "So what happens from here and And I'm like, man, you got me, buddy i I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> like, <sighs> so I was like, "Oh, you know, we'll uh." put it all together and uh you know review it and uh, <laughs> and,
1: uh you figure know, it out as you
0: go and uh you know we'll uh we'll give you a call <laughs> yeah yeah you know and I, like when i look back at that you know and and i remember the very first time because i remember when i first went, went in there for my job interview and i saw this big huge book and it was the best lawyers in America, and it was, you know, US News, the best lawyers in America. And yeah. I remember thinking, I was so impressed with that. And I thought, I'll never get into that. Like, wow. Right. And and so the very first time I ever got included in that, because it's the top one percent of lawyers yeah. in the country. It's amazing. Right. And then I got included in the judicial section of that, where the, the the judges choose that. And I was like, "Wow, oh my god, I actually made it! Like, I made yeah. it to that." You know, I was so proud of myself, mm-hmm. right? And and so I look back on that moment of, "Well, uh, you know, we'll put it all together." And yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> right? You're just we'll winging it.
1: it. You're just winging it, and and had you not taken those steps. But you know, I wouldn't have learned about how to do it by like reading it in a book, you know, like you have to do it. (laughs) I remember I had a very similar moment where there was a a week where my (laughs) face was in Times Square, like every hour on the hour or something. And I remember sitting at home like doing my normal life you know there were moments too where i'm like here i am like scooping up dog poop and my face is in Times square and this actually right now in this moment you know so first of all like humbling ourselves that all these people that we think are amazing like they're scooping dog poop too you know yeah but i i did have the moment of like how in the hell did this happen like how is my face in Times square right now And what I remember the light bulb moment was, was like, it's because I just haven't stopped in action, right? It was like, I literally haven't even stopped to think that much because I just do and I do and I do and I go and I go and I go and I try something new and that didn't work. So let's try something new and that didn't work. I just haven't stopped taking action. That's why my face is in Times Square and most people stop They're just, they're stopped 99% of the time and moving in action 1% of the time. That's the difference. And it doesn't mean you and I are succeeding in all that action. We're falling on our face all the time. We're making mistakes all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. I just did a big keynote this past weekend. And I mean, people have heard it before, but it bears repeating. Successful people have just failed more. Right? Like we've got to build a thick skin and an armor. If we want that level of success, we better be ready to take on the hits. And so, you know, if you are at a place where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't handle my next door's neighbor's made up opinion in my head of what she might be saying to me. Well, if you can't handle that, you're not going to be prepared to handle what comes at a really high level of success and even financial mistakes, right? Like I can remember being like, "Oh my gosh, I I made a mistake or I did something and I and I lost $200. Like it's the end of the world. I think I should quit. I'm terrible at this." And it's like, "Well, now I make mistakes and add a whole lot of zeros, you know?" <laughs> like, yeah. you you got to take you got to be prepared to take on unfa- take on failure if you want to build that confidence because I think that's the other thing. We're so scared of things that we don't take action because, oh my gosh, what if it fails? But when you fail a thousand times, you're like, didn't kill me, get back up again. And that's how you build confidence. That's how you build grit. That's how you build perseverance. And every obstacle that is coming just doesn't seem as daunting,
0: you know? Yeah. I mean, there is a line out of Uh, Marianne Williamson's book, A Woman's Worth. Did you ever read Mm -hmm. that book?
1: I have not read that one, but I love Marianne Williamson. Yeah,
0: well, I read her book when I was like 30 years old. It Mm -hmm. was called A Woman's Worth. And there's a line in there where she talks about naysayers. Mm -hmm. And and she said, anytime somebody is talking about you, just turn around and say under your breath, I... you haven't seen anything yet.
1: Of that, yeah. Wow, I just got goosebumps again. And I will add to that a quote that I heard that we should never ever listen to anyone's opinion. That is not exactly where we want to go or or higher, right? And so. I know that there have been times in my life and and family can mean so good, you know, their job, parents' job is to protect us, is to keep us safe. But so often that's what can derail people is the opinions of those closest to us. And it took me a long time to even think back with almost like, you know, a good hearted laugh now, Like what in the world, why was I so concerned with my mother's opinion of what I was doing entrepreneurial, trying to build a seven figure business out in the world? She was an educator and a nurse practitioner. Like she doesn't have any clue what this world that I'm operating in looks like. And so I could look to entrepreneurs that were ahead on my path and they believed in me. They encouraged me. They told me to keep going. They told me it was possible. And so, those are the only opinions we need to be listening to. We shouldn't be listening to opinions of people that are operating at a lower level than us, but we tend to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and nobody's ever saying anything about you that is like higher than you, by the way. Right. You know, right. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I wanted to go back to law school because, you know, I went to law school with three little babies as a single mom, you know, after I got divorced because I got married at 19 the first time and had three kids by the time I was 22 and I got divorced. Yeah. And I remember people saying to me, somebody said to me, yeah, I think it was just one person said to me, oh, you know, you shouldn't go to law school because there are graduates out there who are bagging gross. Groceries. Right, and, right, and and I I was like, well, somebody's getting jobs from law school. <laughs> I mean, right, not everybody's bagging groceries. Yeah, like, you know, so
1: why wouldn't it be me? <laughs> like, right, and I mean, the person that said that to you is not. It would be one thing if they had gotten a law degree and they were bagging the groceries, but you know, it's probably just. You know somebody in a completely different professional world completely different space in their life and and we're so programmed to not encourage each other in this world today that sometimes we don't even realize what we're saying to just completely take the wind out of somebody's sails and their dreams you know and and that's why it's so incredibly important to surround yourself constantly with people that are pouring belief and pouring that really I always say you want to surround yourself with people that see more in you than you can ever at any point in time see in yourself. Yeah. You
0: know? Yes. You know, there's a Rumi quote that says set your world on fire um seek those who fan your flames. Yes. Yeah, and so are people fanning your flames? Are they dousing your, or you know, dousing your fire? Like, are they, you know, pouring water on your fire, or are they like throwing logs on your
1: fire? Yes, yes. You know, so defend your light with your life. Absolutely, and I, I think too for your listeners. It's hard sometimes because I think the most common thing I hear in that situation is, well, I don't have anybody in my life. You know, I don't have anybody that's supporting me or encouraging me. And the thing that I always say to that is this is where podcasts and books and, you know, live events and seminars really do come into play. Because you are getting poured into from a group of people that are operating at a higher level. So sometimes we may not yet have that circle of influence around us that's, you know, building us up. But the more you take action, right, and put yourself in situations and circumstances and rooms, that's the only way you're going to build that in real life but you're not going to build it, you know, sitting on your couch doing nothing. You got to get out there. You've got to build those connections.
0: Yeah, and honestly, once you start to create that um vibrational intention, mm-hmm. that that's what you want, the people will find you. It'll start Absolutely.
1: To come. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah. Um so, you know, what last piece of advice would you like to share, you know, uh, what do you want to leave the audience with here?
1: I love this question. And it's funny because the first time it was asked to me as I was being interviewed, I kind of was like, gosh, there's a million things I want to share, you know, about vision and identity and all the different, the work that I teach and walk people through. But I think one simple thing that has resonated with people and I believe is truly at the absolute foundation of everything, and I say this over and over again, is listen to that whisper, listen to the whisper. Mm, and so I nice. actually just got bracelets for both of my kids and my husband's. And myself, because um, I got them for my mastermind members. And I was like, wait, why am I not giving this to my family? You know, the little beaded bracelets with the words. And it just said, LTTW, listen to the whisper. And I got my husband and my my son, like manly, dark, you know, black ones. And I got my daughter one, because if there is one piece of advice that I could give anyone in the world, it's that whisper that is not your brain, not the opinions of others, not your overthinking but it's in your heart, you know, it's it's a knowing, it's, it's just a whisper. That's the only way I can explain it. When you listen to that and take action from it, right? Talk to this person, go down this path. Maybe you should leave your job. Maybe this is a bad relationship. When you listen to that whisper, it unlocks every single thing that we're looking for to succeed or build or do or create in our lives? And that's the answer. I believe that that whisper, the more you listen to it, the more you come to trust it, right? And the more you hear it, you just start to tune into moment by moment throughout the day, you know, just tapping into that inner guidance. And it could be called God. It could be your intuition. It could be your gut feeling but it's a knowing in your soul that has never, ever, ever been wrong in my book. And it has led to, you know, relationships and experiences and unlocking doors that it's, you know, they just, it seems miraculous to me. So Uh, I love that. And I even
0: talked about that in my book.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I
0: love that. And so where can people find out more about you and find you?
1: Yeah. So I always say it's super easy because everything is Moira Casaba, but not the easiest name to spell. So it's M-O-I-R-A-K-U-C-A-B-A. But that's the website, that's the Instagram, that's the TikTok, all the things. And if they go to my website, um, they can find my books and my podcast and my mastermind info, all the things. Uh, but I show up mostly on Instagram. That's where you find me most for sure.
0: Yes. So go follow her, go check her out, and go listen to her podcast, which I was just on and so excited. And uh, she is really the coolest, the best, and so, so, so inspirational. So go check her out. And um, so, so thank you.
1: Really. Oh my gosh. uh, Really amazing really amazing. such an honor to be here and to share this time with you and your audience and just so honored and humbled to have you in my life as a friend so mm, thank you
0: i feel the same way same way so thank you so much moira